Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Gotta be feeling good about what Mike White's done today. On third and four, he'll look to throw. In zone, Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. Rodgers in trouble again, and he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time to answer some of your mailbag questions with our friend who is the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. Chris, it's been a while since we've answered some mailbag questions together. Recording a mailbag podcast is is like riding a bike. That's the famous phrase <laughs> that I heard all my life. I, it's 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 actually I think my first words I ever said. I, I it's it's that famous of a phrase. But we'll see. This is the first first time that I've taken such a long break between mailbags. I'm, I'm ready. I, I I think you're right. I think we can get this back. <laughs> Let's start with our friend Michael Christopher, who asks if the Jets had drafted Jermaine Johnson in the top ten instead of trading back up into the end of the first round to get him. How disappointed would you have been, and how disappointed would Jets fans in general have been with his usage and impact year one? What are the expectations you see for him moving forward? So, Chris, we talked about this on the show yesterday when we discussed Carl Lawson, but I think part of the rationale for moving on from Carl Lawson, if the Jets do that because of the salary, is also that it would give Jermaine Johnson a chance to get more snaps. Now, Jermaine Johnson played very well last year, but... As you said, Michael, the usage was the issue. He wasn't used all that much. It's that rotation. Quinnen Williams, it was disappointing. His first year with Robert Sala as far as his usage in the rotation. Last year, they wised up, used him a ton, and he delivered in a big way. I think you're going to see a lot more from Jermaine Johnson in year two. I understand why people would be disappointed because he didn't pop that much, but a lot of it is, as you said, it's because he didn't have that many opportunities to do so. He did pretty well in the opportunities he was given, and so did Michael Clemens, for that matter. So I think Jets fans have a lot to look forward to with those two guys, but I expect him to take a significant step forward in year two. He played well when given the chance in year one. Now I think he'll get more chances in year two. Uh, I I absolutely love this question. And... uh... I love this question specifically because of the Jermaine Johnson part of it, but you guys know me. The I love it because of how it can extrapolate it out and explain some other things. Like, let's talk about how this relates to looking forward to a, you know, the draft. You know, that hypothetically, let's say the Jets hold on to that their first round pick this year, that that number thirteen overall pick. 
You know, they don't have to trade it for Aaron Rodgers. They hold on to it. Inevitably, we're going to be talking about a couple players, a couple options at 13. And I'm going to – one player, I don't know who it is yet, but there's going to be at least one player that everyone's talking about where I'm just – I sound like I hate that player. Where I'm like, this player can't ever contribute in, on the NFL in any meaningful way. And that's not at all – that's how everyone's going to hear what I'm saying, even though I'm going way over the top to try to make sure people understand that's not what I'm actually saying, but they're still going to feel that way. When really, I mean, I'm like, I might consider this guy at the top of the second or maybe even late 20s in the first round, but at 13? No, I'm not looking at him at 13. Where a player is taken, what else is on that roster at the time, how many other players, you know, whether you're, you're taking at tw- 25, but you're still the third pick uh, of that year in the first round for that team is going to make a difference. If he was, if he was taken in the same exact spot, but that was the only first round pick the Jets had last year, then it everything flips, right? Then all of a sudden it's like, oh man, what a waste of a pick. That's all you got out of it? And the, the reality is you should feel about the Jermaine Johnson pick, how, how that like based on what you've seen from him, that's how you should feel. None of the other stuff should matter at all. It should be stripped down. All that matters is what he can do, how he can contribute going forward. And whether you overshot a little bit your arm or you got good value, it doesn't matter. Is he still good enough to contribute to this team in a meaningful way going forward? That's really all you should care about, but perspective is everything. So when you're looking at it and it's like, man, all right, well, we got the offensive rookie of the year a guy here and the defensive rookie of the year here and then yeah the third guy in that first round pick was was Jermaine Johnson and oh by the way we came back over the top with Brees Hall in that draft class like yeah okay you're gonna feel a lot better about Jermaine Johnson than if that was the only pick of note in that draft um, and you're going to be willing to cut Jermaine Johnson a little more slack. And then you're also going to look at the depth of that line and be like, okay, yeah, we didn't need as much out of him this year. And you got to say, hopefully he got to, you know, soak in some valuable experience, learn from the vets, and then he's ready to hit the floor running next year and and slide right in for Carl Austin or whatever. And that's not how it's going to work. But you understand what I'm trying to say. So perspective is everything here. And you need to, uh, it was a great question, great way of looking at it. And people need to kind of apply that to everything going forward when you're looking at it. And because sometimes, uh, you know, we make arguments too in the draft and it's not, hey man, this player is great. I'm not knocking this player is great, but like that this isn't where the direction the team needs to go here. They need to go, you know, a different position or whatever they need to do. They need more help in this area. So it's circumstances, you know, perspective, circumstances, everything's a little bit different. And, uh, but this, at least for him, uh, like, it, I don't know if it could have worked out better because he got to come into a situation where, with so little pressure and learn so much from the talent and the experience around him. Uh, who knows how it'll translate next year, you know, and maybe maybe his play dips once he starts getting a little more attention focused on from offensive linemen as well. 
But uh, you just got to think that the situation was uh, perfect for fans to be like, okay, yeah, this this was nice. We liked what we see out of him, and for him to be well positioned to like springboard uh, his value in the future. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from the Manton 187. He says, are there any possible Zach Wilson trade scenarios if the Jets decide they want to look into moving him? I would think that a team like the 49ers might make sense depending on what ends up happening elsewhere because I know that Kyle Shanahan liked him. The only problem is you've got Trey Lance already and that's a messy situation and Brock Purdy. So on paper, it would make sense. But in reality, I just don't know that they could make a move like that without muddying the waters with the other guys they already have. I think if you bring in a veteran with the 49ers, it's a more understandable move than bringing in another unproven young guy. Trying to think of some other teams that might be interested, but honestly, it really would come down to somebody that probably liked him before the draft and still needs a young developmental quarterback to develop. And I don't know how many teams there are that would think that way about Zach Wilson still. Maybe somebody like Josh McDaniels because McDaniels is in a situation where he obviously needs a young quarterback. If they decide not to draft somebody at number seven overall, he's arrogant enough that I could see him saying, well, of course I could fix what they messed up in New York. So somebody like the Raiders maybe. But the problem is, Chris, I don't think you're going to get much of anything for him at this point because of how spectacularly bad it ended with him. With Sam Darnold, at least you had moments that you could point to, flashes, and you had a little of that with Wilson, but it was so much worse with Wilson than Darnold, and there's so much less of a positive track record with Wilson than Darnold at this point that if you're the Jets, you may as well just hang on to him and see if they can rebuild him and do something with him because they do have him under contract pretty cheaply for the next two years and I don't think they're going to get anything from him the only reason to move him would just be if they've decided it's best to not have him here entirely yeah uh we'll start with the 49ers part of it because it's everything you said is true and correct and I've heard that you know the 49ers have been talking about what to do exactly but they're even like uh cautious about bringing in some type of veteran because what like how they feel about Brock Purdy and bringing him back obviously they've invested so much in Trey Lance they're gonna give that a try and see if he can stay healthy and everything but also like and then what draft picks do they have left um between between what they traded for Trey Lance what they just traded to get Christian McCaffrey uh but again if you have look there's 
obviously teams out there who would would trade for Zach Wilson would take Zach Wilson who would try to think at least you know hey let's see if we can develop him but like you're saying it's, this isn't going to be a Sam Darnold situation where you're getting that type of return back. You, I don't know what you're getting from him. Uh, the situation's different, even though we were sitting here talking uh, the whole time, laughing at people who thought that they were that there was even a remote possibility that the Jets would keep Darnold. That for trade purposes, other teams still weren't a hundred percent convinced of that. Like, you know, there's still the off chance that, Hey, if you don't give them something good enough that they'll just keep them and see what they go. All right. But now teams might say that and think that, but they know that the, the whole locker room thing, if they're going a different direction, like teams would rather just sit and wait on Zach Wilson. No one's going to try to give up something of that of actual significant value for Zach Wilson. There's a lot of teams that would say, I'll kick the tires on that if he becomes available as a free agent, or if I just have to give up like a fifth round pick or something, you know, maybe you could get something as high as a third round pick. Uh, and you could probably, you could definitely do some type of conditional thing, but yeah, the, the teams that are going to be interested are going to be, yeah, let, let's wait. Now, I'm interested, but I'm not that interested. I'll, I'll just wait until he becomes cheaper for me to, to go after here. And also, I now, where, if, depends what route they go on whether I would be willing to even just keep him and stick around and, you know, it's also going to depend on his attitude, the way that his approach to the offseason, how he comes in and how the locker room feels about him. And now I know that, you know, when he made that comment in this season and then all of a sudden the, the teams like seem to be fully supporting rallying around Mike White. And then you see Sauce like actively like trying to recruit like any quarterback, like just anybody who's ever played quarterback. Hey, can, can you come play for us? Can, come, come, come. He's, he's on Twitter doing it right now. I, I, I guarantee it. Um, so it, depending on all that, I might be willing to just be like, yeah, this isn't going to work. But the one thing, maybe, maybe, maybe his good friend, idol Aaron Rodgers, and who, you know, Maybe Aaron Rodgers would be a, a little more willing to ac- accept more of a mentor role because knowing he's only going to come in here and the end is near, uh, you know, the end is now he's only going to play a season or two. Maybe he'd be a little more willing to do that than he has been in the past. Um, some, and maybe that could be good for him long term. So if you did that, but if you're bringing Derek Carr in here, I, I think I'm going to be very content and happy with just rolling with Mike White as my number two, trying to do that there. I, I've said this in the past with somebody like a Chris Herndon going into his season, you know, be like, listen, you have to operate under the uh, the notion that you're not getting anything out of this guy. And if he gives you something, the pleasant surprise. And that's that's how I would be operating or making all my Zach Wilson decisions right now. I'd be operating under the assumption that yeah, I'm not getting anything. It's it it's over here. And if if. If I can't get rid of him, move on, and something happens down the road, and all right, but I'm I'm preparing to him have never played uh, another down for this team.
Next question comes in from John McAnally. He asks, seems like this draft class is deep in positions that aren't major needs for the Jets, namely cornerback, running back, tight end, and edge rusher, and thin in some areas that the Jets need, safety, linebacker, defensive tackle. Do you think the Jets might pull an early round surprise if Joe Douglas is set on selecting the best player available? So I fully expect the Jets to pick an offensive lineman in the first round if there's one worthy of being picked at the time that the Jets come up on the board at number 13. And I do think that one of the consensus top three at the moment, now again, this is fluid, it changes after the combine and evals, the guys that are at the top of the board slide a little bit, some of the guys come up a little bit, there's a lot of movement and whoever is the number one tackle right now may not be the number one tackle by the time the draft comes around. But the three names you hear a lot are Peter Skronsky, Paris Johnson, and Broderick Jones. I think one of those three will probably be available at 13. And if that's the case, I would be surprised if Joe Douglas doesn't take that guy. However, what if there's no offensive lineman at number 13 that Joe Douglas thinks is worth picking there? And he decides better off to use the second round pick to get an offensive lineman than reach for one at number 13. You've heard about somebody like Brian Branch, the safety. Maybe that's a possibility, but that really is a low utility position. What I could see happening here, though, is Joe Douglas looking at the board, and if he can't move out for good value, if there's not a player that he wants there, the surprise being picking a position that they do need, but that it's maybe not a quote-unquote, as you said, major need. So I'll give you an example. What if they went and drafted somebody like Jackson Smith Najigba, the wide receiver from Ohio State, or Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from USC? They don't necessarily quote-unquote have to have a player at wide receiver like that, but it's not a bad thing. We don't exactly know what Elijah Moore is going to do in year three. Does he bounce back? So if you get somebody like that, throw him into that passing game, especially if you add somebody like Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, or even Jimmy G or Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback, it's nice to surround that guy with weapons. Maybe somebody like Lucas Van Ness, a very raw but potential through the roof pass rusher from Iowa, he could be somebody they could grab again. If they cut Carl Lawson, do they have necessarily an enormous need at pass rusher? No. But Chris, as we both know, no team has ever said, damn, we have too many really good pass rushers on this team. So I could see something like that if they don't end up getting an offensive lineman at number 13. They could also, as I said, go with a safety like Branch there. But I would think that it's more likely that if they're at 13 and they don't get an offensive lineman that they really want there, that they would pivot to the best player available at a position that has more impact. So I'm thinking a top flight receiver or a top flight pass rusher there, if that's how it shakes out. Yeah. All right. Well, first, what was the, that, that first offensive lineman name you, you gave? Peter like Skronsky from Northwestern. That, that's a great name. Just a phenomenal name. It's a very Skronsky. Chicago name too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, very Chicago name, Skronky. I, I I heard you read that and I was like, oh, oh, oh that's that's a good name. This this is where I am at on draft uh prep here. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Anderson. Uh that that's that's about the extent of my draft. You forgot Jalen Carter, Chris. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Uh but here my point is with that, I will still go ahead and make offensive line a minus 700 favorite that that's what <laughs> joe douglas goes with with that first round pick assuming they hold on to it minus 700 is where i'm setting the odds on that um 
and but you're you're obviously correct. Uh, you know, if if there's only three offensive linemen worth being taken in that that top thirteen, and they're all off the board, then he will go a different direction. Uh, but if if it's remotely makes sense, Joe Douglas is going to go there. Joe Douglas is going to go there if he has a perfect offensive line already, you know, as close to perfect as you can get. And with the injury issues that this offensive, they they drastically need it. So I he he'd be willing to shoehorn it in if it wasn't a need. It's still the most obvious and pressing need. So yeah, if if it makes sense, that's that's absolutely what they're doing. Um, but yeah, I now I in theory you're 100 about right about the pass rush thing. It's just typically. I don't think that at 13, the chances that he's going to feel like that good about there, he, I think he's probably, he'd look at the receivers and feel way more confident that he's got a guaranteed weapon there. than he's going to look at pass rushing options available at 13 and be like, yeah, we got a definite pass rusher like here, you know, the blue chipper in that equation is, is going to be the wide receiver because there's just so many more of them these days. So, but your your overall point uh, where we're going, I think, you know, he'd be going. He'd look for a weapon. Is, is how you know. So he'd look for a receiver that that could be you know another Garrett Wilson to pair with him. He'd look for maybe a ball hawking safety. Uh, you know, I I don't know what is, but if there was a Kyle Hamilton, remember we talked a lot about him mm-hmm. last year. If there's not somebody that good, but if there's a ball hawking safety available at 13 and he, he there's the offensive lineman he wanted isn't there, then yeah, I can absolutely see him do that. Um, you know, and again, that's going to be a little, uh, I know obviously fans won't love that position uh, value, but I he's going, this isn't just going to just be a strictly best player available thing. I he's going to lean that way, of course. Tiebreaker is gonna he'll go there, but they're definitely going to look to you know cater it a little bit more to this roster and what what this roster needs. Uh, what I will say is I know fans sometimes they look at drafts like this where you say ah all the all the deep positions are positions we don't need. And you get a little frustrated, upset that that's it. But there is a, a silver lining to it. Uh, a flip side to that coin is that you don't need to worry about those positions. So, like, cornerbacks are going to come flying off the board. Like, you know, and you don't need to worry when those good names go off the board because you're not drafting them anyway. So, as the quarterbacks go, uh, you know, obviously you need quarterbacks, but we know that you're not getting Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. But that you really got the 11th pick in the draft because you know that you're not taking the, any of those two guys, right? So for the rest of the draft, the the players, you're really picking 11th, not 13th. And if you got two, uh, two of those 11 or cornerbacks, then you can look at it as, oh, we're really getting the ninth pick out of what we, we would realistically like to add to this team here. So it it can be frustrating when you look at it like oh the best players in this position but that that gives you a little more room that to go and attack the other ones now of course you got to get to them quicker because there's less but the teams are going to be busy focused on these other positions you're not worried about 
all said and done, I think there might be four quarterbacks taken in the top 10 with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, yeah. but we'll see. It really depends. It's a fluid situation, like we said, with the offensive linemen in every position, especially including quarterback. That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, check out Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. Check out everything we're doing over at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got some awesome All-22 breakdowns up there including Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers so watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already youtube.com slash play like a jet visit our store tpublic.com that's teepublic.com we've got the John Franklin Myers Quentin Williams bless you thank you shirt the play like a jet logo shirt caps mugs hoodies it's all there tpublic.com that's teepublic.com and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital play like a jet.com